0: All right, well, you guys know uh that when you uh you guys have a favorite restaurant that you go to like once a week, and when that restaurant is closed, then you kind of have to settle for something else, kind of like uh uh five stars been closed, and so we've had to go to wildcat right um, but when that place is closed, what do you go to right like you go to the place that you go to maybe like once a year and the food's okay but well, that's me this morning. I'm that third choice. So Zach was supposed to preach this morning, and I got a call at 5 o'clock this morning saying, uh, hey, uh, Maddie's water broke, and this is not a joke. Um, that rhymed. But, um, but anyways, yeah, so uh, um, praise be to the Lord, and uh, hopefully he gets the glory this morning. If you have your Bibles, uh, which I hope you do, let's turn to John chapter 14 this morning. John chapter 14. We're going to be in verses 1 through 6. I guess this is why people bring an actual Bible and not their iPad, because then they can not have to deal with technical difficulties. All right. John 14, 1 through 6. We're going to read these together. We'll talk about, uh, we'll talk through them. And then we'll go and we'll jump around to a couple of different other sections of scripture uh, this morning. But first one says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told would I have told you that? I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So here we have the disciples, and they are fresh off of... Jesus dropping some truth bombs on them as far as he is um he's going to be crucified he lets them know that he's going to be crucified he he tells them hey the my time on earth is short um so your time with me is short and um and then Peter this is in the the chapter previous Peter says uh you know lord where you're going where are you going and he says don't worry about it you can't come with me and he goes oh, I'll go with you I'm ready to die um But uh Jesus tells Peter, No, you're gonna deny me three times before the end of the night. Um so there's some some kind of kind of a Debbie Downer moment here where uh the disciples have they've been told they've gone through the whole Lord's Supper, the betrayal of Judas, all of that stuff. They've been told that they're um well, not the betrayal of Judas as far as the garden goes, but he's left the Lord's Supper, um left fellowship with them to go and betray Christ. Um, this is all the night of when Jesus gets arrested That he's going to die He's going to go and go to the cross uh, For the sins of the world But for the disciples They were um, They really didn't get it at this point And you'll see even uh, later on As you study scripture And you see as they walk with Jesus there, there seems to be times where they really get it And then other times where they're just They don't get it at all And um and this is one of those times where they're just—they don't really understand what Jesus is telling them. They do know that he's going somewhere. They know that he's—he says he's going to die. They don't really understand how all that's going to play out just yet. Um, but they—they've been walking with Christ for three years, and they have this relationship with him, and—and um, and they're pretty—I would say—pretty torn up about. Uh, about losing Jesus in this moment or what they think is losing Jesus in this moment. And so um, Jesus starts off with, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. I think we're at a point, at least personally speaking, where there's a lot of trouble in the world today. There's a lot of of trouble in our own lives. There's a lot of, of moments where we are not at peace, moments where we are... Uh, grasping for uh, what to do and what to say and good, good night. I'm in one right now, right? Um, this morning at five o'clock when I had uh, no preparation at all, and, and Zach even told me on Friday, he's like, I don't know if I'm going to make it, man. you got to prepare something. And I was like, nah, you'll be all right. Yeah. Hindsight's 20 um, There, There's a lot of just like I- insecurity in the world today. Uh, and I feel that on a personal level. And I think that that has happened, that we're not in a unique time. We're not in a unique situation. Um, I, I believe that man has struggled with uh, this feeling of, of insecurity and fear and not belonging since the fall. Um, and, uh, and I think that there's, I'm just going to go ahead and give you the end of the of the sermon now that the, that the hope is only in Christ. So as we're as we're grasping for for some security, as we're grasping for provision, let's look ahead to the end and know that there is only hope in that in Jesus. So my first point um, is everyone longs for a home. So jo- uh, uh, Josh, why did I call him Josh? Zach. Josh is right there. So Zach was uh, wanted to uh, to preach on the delight of heaven, and he even shared his notes with me. But I probably should have just read those, but I'm I'm not that kind of guy. So um, I'm still going to preach on the delight of heaven, and I believe the delight of heaven is Jesus. Um, but I think the the problem, the heart of the problem, is that we don't have a place to belong everyone is looking for a home everyone is longing for a home and since creation when God created the garden and created Adam and Eve and he gave them a home he gave them a place to belong he gave them a place of security he gave them a place of his presence where he walked with them daily and when they sinned and they fell and the curse broke everything uh, sin broke everything um there hasn't really been this sense of home, this sense of belonging, and I think that that's something we, we still strive for today. Um, I think that's why one reason why so many people hop from job to job, or church to church, or sometimes family to family, why there's, why there's uh, this no, not really a sense of, of ever feeling secure in where you're at. And I don't know, maybe some of you guys do. Maybe some of you have lived a long life of, you know, however long you are and you've had 40 plus years of security and you feel safe and you feel like you have home, like you have that sense of home. But I know in my 38 years, uh, it's been a roller coaster. Um, I can think back to just a few years ago when, when Kira was born and how I thought that, Everything up until that point was—I had some rocky moments, but for the most part, it it was semi-stable. And then God delivers our child seven weeks early, and uh, we spend five and a half weeks in the NICU. And I have a three—I have a three-pound baby, and I don't know what to do with this tiny little thing, right? I don't know if she's going to make it another day. there's a lot of, like, the, the world was shaken for me in that moment when my dad died when I was 12 years old. Um, there's lots of moments. These are just personal moments for me, but I know you guys have had moments too where where you just wish there was a place of safety and security and, and hope and peace in your life and love and acceptance, right? Everyone's looking for this idealistic place, this home, this comforting place, this secure place where we can find rest and peace and joy, and, uh, and we know that we're accepted for who we are, and we, we feel love, and we feel genuine relationship, and we have provision we're taken care of, and we work so hard to build that. And then when things like fires happen or a burglar breaks in or our car breaks down, or we lose a job or a spouse leaves us or whatever it is, it wrecks our world because we've lost that sense of security that we've built up. So I think everyone is longing deep down for that. We're longing for that place of security and hope. Um, We all yearn for home. So we see that, like I said earlier, that the curse has separated Um, the curse separated Adam and Eve from God in the beginning because uh, of their sin. There was punishment for their sin. It separated them from their home. Um, And sin today still separates us from a true home. As long as sin uh, exists in the world today, there will be no true safety. There will be no true security. There will be no 100% guarantee of provision, of love, acceptance, of rest even. Right? Um, As long as sin exists and the consequences of sin exist, you, you will not find that on this planet. You will not find that on earth. Uh, the disciples were in a place of chaos and insecurity. They longed for home. They longed for stability. They longed for direction. They wanted to know um, what's going to happen. Um, so Jesus encourages them with, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me, and I think just practical uh, application today. If we're in a moment of insecurity, of fear, of uh, not wondering or wondering where uh, where our life is going to go in the next day, week, month, year, whatever, um, that we can glean a lot from this verse. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. My favorite verse is Psalm seventy-five, three, which talks about when the foundations of the world are shaken, that Jesus is the one that holds the pillars of it steady. Right? Um, that he's the he's got it in control. He's he's uh, he's got things in control. He's got things taken care of. We just need to trust him. Um, it goes on to uh, to say. I, uh, in my father's house are many rooms if it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am you may be also. Jesus is telling them that there there is no hope and security and provision apart from him that they're not going to find what they're looking for apart from him and we can know that our dwelling place that our home, our sense of home, is not going to be found anywhere on this earth. We see that Thomas had an earthly perspective when he says, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Here Jesus is talking about spiritual things. He's talking about how um, he's going to die for the sins of the world, and um, he's going to go and and ascend to the Father and then one day come again um, so that they will have a place so that they'll have that place of reconciliation, that restored relationship with God the Father. And here, um, Thomas is like, I don't know where you're going. How can I know which way to go if I'm going to go with you? Um, He had that earthly perspective. And I think so often, many of us, um, in our wisdom, we seek after a home uh, with the things of earth, among the things of earth. We we work tireless hours Um, we save and penny pinch you know we we work so hard so that we can have what we think will make us happy what we think will provide for us and take care of us and i'm just as guilty of this as well one of the i would say one of the idols of my life is security Um, i want things to be stable i don't want uh, i don't want to ever wonder what's going to happen Yeah, I guess that's the Baptist in me. I don't ever want to wonder what's going to happen next week or next month. I want to know, yeah, we're going to have services, and they're going to be this time, and this is what we're going to do, and you're going to go to this job, and you're going to go to this house, and this is what you're going to eat for dinner, and all that fun stuff. But life is not like that. Um, And we seek, me personally, I seek to try and to build that, provide that stability for me and for my family. But I know that rust and moth and thief come in and they destroy those things that we work so hard to build up and to, uh, and to hold on to. There is no job, no location, no church, no group of friends, no spouse, no child, not even like a pet, nothing that can fulfill or satisfy us. I woke up this morning, and as I was struggling with, um, what, what do you want me to say, Lord? What do you want me to preach on? How am I going to do this? I haven't preached in almost two years, so it's been, I'm a little rusty. Um, I just grabbed my dog and I was petting him. <laughs> like, come over here. I know you're laying over there by mommy, but I want to hold you for a minute. And I'm uh, just petting him. And uh, I heard that's relaxing somewhere. I don't know. It didn't help this morning. Um, but not even your little pet, not even your little puppy dog. he He can't take care of you, he can't satisfy or fulfill you. All of those things, as no matter how good they are our house, our job, our church, our spouse, our children, even our little puppy dog they're, they're not going to fulfill us like Jesus can fulfill us. They're not going to supply uh, what we need like He can supply what we need. Look at, uh, well, I mean, you don't have to turn there, but in your own time, study the book of Ecclesiastes where Solomon talks about how he has riches and he has land and he has um, you know, relationships and he has all of these things that people desire. He has power, he has military might, he has wealth. And all of it is what? Does somebody tell me what the word is? Vanity, right? He says, vanity, vanity, all is vanity under the sun, right? Meaning, apart from Christ on this earth, everything that we do, everything that we strive for, everything that we make important, everything that we idolize will not, cannot take care of us, cannot supply that peace, that love, that acceptance that we're looking for, that security that we're looking for. Only Christ can. Nothing on this earth is capable of providing everything that we yearn for. Nothing on this earth is capable of providing that sense of home. And this is um, this is echoed in other places in Scripture, like in Philippians 3:20, where it says, "But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ." We know, as believers, as followers of Christ, that our home here is temporary; that this is a tent, a temporary dwelling place; that we're not meant to set up here to live forever; that that's not our—that's not an eternal perspective. Um, to set up to live here forever. We uh, that's that's focused on the things of here and now that fade and and, and rust and and fall apart and break, um, or are taken. Our citizenship is in heaven, where Jesus is, where um, where we're eternally minded and eternally focused. So our home and our hope is found in Christ, and. Here in John 14, he's talking about the home that he's preparing for the disciples and by proxy for us. He says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have not told you that? I go to prepare a place for you. Um, the King James translates that translates that word rooms into mansions, which I know a lot of people... Um, They really hold on to that. In fact, like one of I I served at another church for ten years, and one of the favorite hymns of some of the people there was uh, "Mansion on a Hilltop," which I don't know if you've noticed, but I have not ever led that song here, and I probably never will lead that song here. And in fact, I never will lead that song here. You can guarantee it, Um, because it doesn't talk about Jesus. It doesn't talk about the hope in Him. It talks about the hope in the mansion. It's all about the things that Christ gives us, the things that he's prepared for us. The true hope of heaven is not a mansion. It's not streets of gold. It's not a crystal sea. It's not angels. It's not a holy city. The true hope of heaven is Jesus in the flesh, right? Face to face with his saints. That's what heaven is all about. That's what makes heaven heaven. If heaven didn't have Jesus, it wouldn't be any better than here. Um, And that's what makes hell so bad is that you know that Jesus is who he said he was, who he said he is. And you know he's the king of kings and you know then that he's the Lord of lords. And you will bow down and worship him according to Philippians 2, even in hell. But he's not there. He's not face to face with you. There is no... Genuine relationship that happens there. And I think that's the worst part of it. The best part of heaven is Jesus, and the worst part of hell is that there is no Jesus. And if we're looking for anything else in heaven, if our hope in heaven is anything but Christ, I think, I don't know, I think we need a new perspective. Because, uh, yeah, heaven apart from Christ is not any better than here. We need um, to be focused on Him and Him alone. So it says, uh, "In my father's house are many rooms." What he what is talking about there is like the temple and the uh, the rooms that were for the priests. There there were several rooms that the that were connected to the temple that uh, that the priests shared. And and if the father's house is the temple, and the presence of God was symbolized in that time by the the ark of the covenant the two seraphim where the presence of God uh, came and rested in between those two seraphim. Um, the presence of God was right there next to those rooms. Now if we take that and we apply it to heaven, in my father's house, the temple of God in heaven, where God's presence is right there and we get to live right there. It's not about building up mansions and having my property line and inviting Josh over for barbecues. That's not what it's about. It's not about um, having my own space in heaven and this is mine and uh, that's yours over there. That's not what it's about. That's an earthly perspective looking at heavenly things. The heavenly perspective is not focused on what we're getting, but where we are. We get to be right there. We get to live in the presence of God. How amazing is that? Um, So Jesus says... um, that he will go and prepare a place, and he will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. I think this is kind of one of the key verses here in John 14. Uh, where I am you may be also. In John 1, when uh, when John describes um, Jesus' coming, let me just turn there real quick. John chapter 1 which which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Here's here's another key verse, John 1.14. And the word became flesh, And dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So here in uh, John chapter one, when Jesus comes to dwell among us in flesh, this was what was missing since the creation. God was walking the earth in in flesh. He was fellowshipping with people on a daily basis. His presence was right there. Um, So what was taken away in the garden was restored through Jesus temporarily. And Jesus knew this. Um, In fact, the word dwelt there in verse 14 means like a tent, uh, to dwell temporarily. Um, so Jesus is dwelling with man once again. it's restoring that that uh, sense of home that was present in the beginning when God created Adam and Eve, uh, but it only lasted a short time. and I think that's one reason why um, in John chapter fourteen, um, why it takes the tone that it does that uh, that the disciples were were upset, they were troubled because that sense of home was was being taken away. it was going somewhere and they had no idea where it was going but Jesus gives them hope again in verse 3 and if i go and prepare a place for you i will come again and i will take you to myself that where i am you may be also let's look at revelation chapter 21 so we know that our home and our hope is found only in christ and that the real hope of of heaven is jesus In uh, chapter 21 of Revelation, John is describing to us the new heaven and the new earth, what life is going to be like in glory, what life is going to be like um, once this old earth has passed away, and once uh, we have that restored and renewed um, place, that new home with Christ. It says, And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I think this is important because uh, that it mentions that the sea was no more, because in the creation story, when God creates the earth and the heavens and he places the water between them to separate them, it's a symbol that heaven and earth are separated. But here there is no sea. There is no separation anymore. There is He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment, The one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. So here we see a description of the church adorned as New Jerusalem, right, the dwelling place of all inhabitants of heaven will be the church the followers of Christ the church being adorned as a bride for her husband coming down and John seeing this and uh, the throne the voice from the throne God says behold the dwelling place of God is with man he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God how encouraging how hopeful that uh, that we have not only a God who loves us and wants to save us from our sins and wants to forgive us of the debt that sin caused in our life and wants to restore right relationship with us, not only do we have that, but we also have a God who loves us so much that he would create a place, a home, where we can live for eternity and he will live among us. There's no more separation, no more um, distance, no more times of visitation, it's not like um, God only comes to visit on Christmas and Easter and Thanksgiving and uh, family get-togethers. It's not about that. It's a daily walking with, a daily living with, an abiding with. Um, That's encouraging, and that's something to look forward to. If we love Jesus and we want to be with him, and as a follower of Christ, I hope that that is our hope, then this is the culmination of all of that hope laid out. This is the culmination of all of that joy and peace and security and safety and and rest and acceptance and love, that place where we can find home. And Jesus is right there in the midst of it. He's the reason it exists, and he's the hope that we have in it. He does say... um, The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Those who put their faith and trust in Christ, those who follow him, this is the place that's prepared for them. But for the cowardly, for the faithless, the detestable, for those who all of us were, who ignored Christ, who said, I, I want nothing to do with you. I can, I can find fulfillment and hope and home right here. I can make this earth what I want it to be. I can make my life what I want it to be without you. For those people, there's separation. They don't get to live out the eternal hope because they never put their hope in Christ in the first place. They put their hope in other things. They put their faith in other things. They tried to find fulfillment in other things. Verse verse 9. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. Talking about the church. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates. I'm going to stop kind of in some of these um, moments and and just kind of um, expound on it a little bit. So we see that the church, this city, this holy city that's been prepared for God as his bride, um, has a great high wall. What do walls do? Protect us, right? They're security. So this new place... The church in heaven will be a place of security. We also see that it has 12 gates, and at the gates 12 angels, and on the gates the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and its walls. The city lies four its length the same as its width, and he measured the city with his rod 12,000 stadia. Its length and width and height are equal. He also measured its wall 144 cubits by human measurement, which is also an angel's measurement. This is a big space, which means there's lots of room. I'm not talking like the Big House song where there's lots and lots of room to play football. I'm talking about... There's lots and lots of room in the church. I mean, obviously, look around, right? There's lots and lots of room. Our our mission is not over. Our job is not over until God has called us and uh, until God has called us home. And so uh, I think we should be on mission to uh, to share the good news of what Jesus has done in our lives with those around us. Because heaven is not going to be, I mean, it will be full with who it needs to be full with. But what I mean is, If we're thinking, "Oh, heaven only has a limited amount of space. There's only room for 144,000 up there," Uh, that's that we're mistaken. There's plenty of room. So don't let it. Don't let you. Don't be discouraged by thinking that there's no room for your neighbor, for your uh, for your spouse, for your family member. Um, Keep on keep on uh, praying for them and sharing the good news with them. We also see that uh, it says the wall was built of jasper. While Oh, sorry, that's the, yeah. The wall was built with jasper, verse 18. While the city was pure gold like clear glass, the foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst. We can run through this and and not think twice about it, but you know what this tells me, a a lot like in Colossians 3, when uh, we're laying a foundation, like Paul said, gold and silver and precious stones. And when the refiner's fire comes, that remains. But the wood, hay, and stubble that we've built up, the stuff along with it that doesn't matter, that stuff gets destroyed. It gets taken out. But we see here in heaven, in the church, In picture form, those precious stones from generation and generation and generation of saints are built up one upon another, uh, and there's the foundation of the city. Of course, our foundation is Christ, just like Colossians 3 says, and we're building upon that foundation those things. We also see that the, the gemstones are different. It's not just one big layer of of onyx, or one big layer of carnelian, or one big layer of amethyst. Sometimes the works that the church does, they look different from generation to generation. One layer may look different from another layer, which may look different from another layer. But that doesn't mean they're any less precious. That doesn't mean they're any less um, worthy or worthwhile. And so we have to be careful as we as the church work uh, among other generations, that we don't look back on the generations of the past and say, oh, I can do it way better than that. What they've done, the foundation that they've laid through Christ, is good and will stay if it's made out of what God has called them to make it out of. And if it's not, it'll be burned up. And the older generation can't look at the younger generation and say, oh, what what are they doing with all their newfangled stuff? That's never going to work. We should do it like we used to do it. Because that's not true either. And the foundations are all different. It's not always going to look the same, and that's okay. We're not always going to be exactly like our brother and sister, and that's okay. Because it still comes together in a picture of beauty here. The foundations... Though different, worked together to be the foundation of the city and the gates and the, and the walls. We see in verse 21 the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. Talking about the way in to heaven, the pearl at the gate, a single pearl, makes me reflect on John 14:6 when he says, "I am the way." Jesus, as our pearl of great price, stands in the gate, allowing entry in. We'll see later um, another important aspect to that. And we see the street of gold. The street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. What we desire so much on earth, gold, wealth, is nothing but the streets in heaven, right? Right? What we work so hard for um, is what you tread on in heaven. The things of this earth that we waste our lives trying to gather, that we that we would sell our souls for, some of us is is what you walk on. Is worthless. It's not what the buildings are made out of it's not what the foundations made out of it's what the streets are made out of it's just something to be walked on i think we can learn a lot from that verse 22 and i saw no temple in the city for its temple is the lord god the almighty and the lamb this is important the city in the midst of the church the midst of the people of heaven in the midst of that is the temple and the temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. Jesus is the center of the church in heaven. Should it be any different here on earth? I don't think so. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. We're talking about those gates, the the pearly gates. Verse 25, and its gates will never be shut by day. The gates are always open. What does that tell you? It tells you that Christ loves you, and he wants a relationship with you. If he is the gate and he is open, he wants you to come in, right? It says it's open, or it's never shut by day. And then you think, well, what about night? Well, it answers that. And there will be no night there. They will bring it into the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. That's what our true home looks like. If you look back to John 14 again. John 14. And we look back at verse 6. It's an often quoted verse. But Jesus is saying, Jesus said to them, I am the way. I am the way. Jesus is the only reconciliation that we have, the only hope that we have, the only provision that we have, the only thing that is able to provide security and rest and peace and provision in our lives. He says, I am the way. He also says, I am the truth. He's the only thing we can trust in. In Revelation 21 that we just read, the angel told John to write this down because it's trustworthy and true. We can trust what Jesus said. We can trust everything that he said, everything that he is, everything that he does, and when he says he's going to come back for us and that he's preparing a place for us, we can trust in that. We can trust that one day, even though we don't have a sense of home or belonging here, even though that we we run from job to job or place to place or church to church, that we, we we feel at unease and we feel afraid and we feel like we'll never belong. One day we will. One day we will have that place. And it says, I am also not just the way and the truth, but the life. He is the life, both the giver and sustainer of life, and of life eternal. John ten ten says, "I've come so that they may have life, and have it abundantly, or have it to the fullest." Jesus came not that we'd have some kind of half life, or uh, you know, only partial fulfillment, or or uh, partial satisfaction. Jesus came so that we would be fully satisfied in him, so that we would be fully fulfilled in him, so that we would understand and have true life, both here on earth and um, eternal life. And we're reminded of that. Goodness, today, as Mahdi gives birth to twins, we get to be reminded of the life that Jesus gives us every single day as we see babies born. We also get to be reminded of the consequences of sin as we see those around us who pass on. But one day, as we read about in Revelation, there will be no more death. There will be only life. And we get to, to live out um, our existence, our eternal existence in the presence of God, in the presence of the way, the truth, and the life forever and ever and ever. So our true home is pretty amazing. Let's go back and look at... Um, Revelation 21 again. Actually, let's go on to uh, chapter 22. We're going to read just a couple of verses there. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Through the middle of the street of the city, Also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of nations. Heaven is a place of life, because the giver of life, the creator of life, is in the midst of it. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. And night will be no more, and they will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Home, that sense of belonging, that sense of place that we all desire, can be found in one place, not really even a place, in one person. In John 1.1, Jesus came and dwelt among us for a short time. In Genesis 1-3, through God's presence dwelt with man for a short time. As you go through the Old Testament when uh, the presence of God was was in the tabernacle and moved with the people and and the Holy Spirit came and rested on individuals for a short time, uh, it was always temporary. There was never that sense of permanence. Even in the temple that the Jews put so much, uh, I mean, they built it according to God's specifications. They put so much time and effort and wealth into building the temple. They've already gone through two. (laughs) And there is no temple currently. The last one was destroyed by Rome in AD 68. Um, Even in that, there was no permanence The presence of God has always seemed temporary. But when Christ came, and though he was here temporarily in in human form, he said, It's good that I go, if you continue reading in John 14. It's good that I go, for I will send another. The Comforter will come. The Holy Spirit will come. And as followers of Christ... We get to be indwelled by the Holy Spirit in the presence of God. We get to carry around with us each and every day. But even that fades in the glory of what's to come where we get to see Jesus face to face and we get to sit in his presence as he is the center of the church and the center of of the holy city where we get to abide with him and live with him in his presence for all of eternity, singing praises to him, worshiping him for who he is, always basking in the light of who he is, never knowing darkness or fear or death or, or, or loss again, never having to wonder uh, what's next, what's around the corner, never having to wonder if we can hold on to what we've built up, never having to wonder if we belong, never having to wonder if we're loved. That's pretty amazing. Amazing home is dwelling with Christ let's pray dear father we thank you for this day we thank you that we can know life and life eternal through your son we thank you that Jesus loved us enough to come and to die on the cross for our sins taking our punishment upon him but we know the story doesn't end there as he's in the tomb for three days and Satan thinks he won Satan thinks that that death has conquered the son but then three days later when the tomb empties and Christ is alive and has defeated death and has defeated sin and has defeated hell and has made a way of reconciliation for all people. That those who put their faith and trust in him can know a right relationship with the Father again. We thank you that we have that, um, that assurance today. But we also thank you for what we can look forward to. That even though our home here is temporary, and that it's full of doubt and of worry and of fear, of insecurity. Lord, we trust you. We trust that you're preparing a place for us in your presence where you provide for us for all eternity, hope, rest, peace, love, acceptance, where we can abide in you as you call us to do in John 15. Thank you for loving us and for your grace that's poured out on us each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen.